every time I thought about what I'm actually going to pray when I get up, he then goes and does it. That's so cool. So good. Um, when I was a young adult, I went to a church, went to a uniting church that Lyndall and I grew up in. And it was at the time when there was a number of revivals happening around the world. There were some people in the church that felt so um, caught up and passionate about this that they wanted to see it come to the church that we were in. And so there was an evening service where strange things started to happen. So people would be prayed for. And it started there. And then, as, as a, I don't know how old I was, but maybe 18, 19, 20, and sitting back and watching this whole thing. And I was a believer, but I was, uh, all this was brand new. And people would start falling over. So at the start, you're right, quite concerned about them. I'd go, oh my gosh. And then people say, no, this is, this is a normal thing. This is what happens or what can happen when the Holy Spirit comes on somebody. And then people would start speaking in tongues. And again, it was just like, this is just weird. What's going on? And again, people would say, well, that, that's part of what happened, what can happen when the Holy Spirit comes on a person. And so we watched this for a number of weeks, getting more and more fascinated, more and more drawn in, until we decided to jump in. Let's have a look, see what this thing's like. And I remember coming up the front one day, and I was the youth pastor at the time, or kind of in that quasi-role of like stepping into that place. So people knew me, and I was known, and I thought, oh, what's this going to look like, me going up the front to need God? Right? Because I was kind of in that space where I shouldn't need God, and I've learned since then that we all need God, as much of God as we can get, as often as we can get God. And so I walked up the front and they said, what would you like to pray for? I'm like, I'm like oh, I have no idea, but if I can have some of what they're having, let's see how that goes. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so they began to pray for me and I had an experience where I fell over. And it was just quite powerful and significant. I don't think, I was reflecting on this, I don't think I've ever shared this in preaching before, uh, but today or this week, God brought that back to me of like, you should share that. And so I fell over, and then, um, I, and it was, it was like being in this sort of vacuum of peace. <coughs> this space of. <coughs> I'm getting too excited too early. <coughs> this vacuum of peace. Where all the things that might normally concern me. Or, or worry me or play in my mind were, were gone. It was just a, a beautiful weight of the Spirit. And it was wonderful just to rest in that place. And I thought, I, 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 don't, I don't get it, but that was something amazing that only God could do. So a couple of weeks later, I was there, and I came to the front, I said, I wouldn't mind some more of, of what happened before, because that was pretty good. Um, but I've heard people talking in tongues, and I, I know a little bit about it, but maybe you could pray that I would be speak with tongues. And so they prayed. And, and I'm standing there going, Oh, I'm going to be like the first one this doesn't happen to. It's just so awkward. It's so boring. No, not boring. So like... <coughs> so so um, bizarre. And then all of a sudden it was like my tongue was loosed. And I began to speak in this language that I didn't understand. But as I spoke, something shifted in here. It's kind of like an alignment that happened with something deep inside of me with God that this gift of tongues enabled me to do. And, and, and that time came to an end and then I freaked out. I'm like, oh, I can't remember how to do it. And then what I found since, that there's these moments, these key moments, like when I'm sitting at a hospital bed with someone and I'm like, I don't know what to pray. And that language will come when I'm, when I'm praying for, for you guys, when I'm praying for people and I'm like, I, 
can't put words to this. That language will sort of take over a way of my spirit communing with God's spirit. It was this gift God imparted to me, not for my benefit, but for the benefit of the body of Christ. So these, these strange things happened when the spirit moved in ways that I still don't understand. Still don't understand. And yet they happen. And they change us. And they allow God to somehow move closer to us. What the, you look at all the great movements of God, whether, whether you think about that or the revivals that have happened, all these incredible things that sometimes you, you hear about, sometimes you're involved about, sometimes the news picks it up because it's so significant, sometimes it's in that church overseas where all that amazing stuff's happened. The one thing they all have in common is they're all a living, breathing embodiment of the commission Jesus gave. That's how we know it's of the Spirit, you know, of Jesus, because it's, it's about strengthening your life as a disciple. It's about equipping you to go and make more disciples. The Great Commission, it's this, Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, and therefore go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and I will be with you until the end of the age. If Jesus were here right now in bodily form, and he said those words to you, first time you'd ever heard of it, he said them to you, the Great Commission is now resting on you, what would you do with that? How would you think about it? What, what actually would you do to fulfill the Great Commission? I'd love to hear. What, what, what would you do if it was you? There's no right or wrong answer. Give it a go. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, missionary. Good, good job, Samara. Yeah, three. Excellent. <laughs> Any other thoughts? Who would be a bit intimidated by that? Yeah, a few nods. Yeah. I, I, I've thought about it for a week. I wouldn't have a clue. Like. <gasps> If Jesus said that and I was sitting here and I meant walking out those doors into Burley and doing it, I wouldn't know where to start. Like how, how would you, you take hold of that? In fact, it was so so intimidating, the weight of that thought is that I would be like, I could only do that with God. I could only do that if God was somehow living it out through me. If I actually were able to put down my fear... And, and God's Spirit would live in me to the point that God would do that through me. God would make disciples and teach people to obey Him and baptize people in His name. If that happened through me, but God did it all. Because it's too intimidating, it's too large, it's too terrifying. When Jesus said those words to His disciples, they were in the same boat. He's about to leave. It was His parting speech. Oh, good one, Jesus. Leave that with us and take off. And this weight rested on them. It was up to them now. There was no rabbi to follow around and stay in the shadow of and hide behind and watch him do it. He was, he was now gone. And it was all on them. And so they prayed. Because they heard that the Holy Spirit was coming. Jesus had said that. One the greater than I will come. The Holy Spirit will come. The counselor will come. And I wonder, part of them is like, when? <laughs> if it could happen like right now, that'd be awesome. See, Acts 1 shows us that there's 120 believers. 
And they come together to pray about this. They come gathered in a room. It was the same room where they shared the blast, the Passover supper. So they cross from the Mount of Olives. They go into this room and they start to pray. So put yourself in their shoes. What would you pray? Help. What did they pray? You think we don't know exactly what they prayed, but we can have a pretty accurate guess. Help. Protect us. Give us some sort of idea of what we're doing. In fact, God, if you could come back. Jesus, just come back. We know you're all-knowing, but we'll let this mistake go. Just come back, because it was way easier when you, you were here. And maybe they went, well, how will we know when the Spirit comes? <laughs> what if we miss the Holy Spirit? God, help us to, to see you, who the Holy Spirit to, to know, to not miss that moment. Send the Spirit. So, so 50 days... 40 days earlier, Jesus had had hung on the cross. He'd been crucified. He was resurrected and he defeated death. And he hung out with them for 40 days. Then he goes up to heaven. And then for 10 long days, they're in this space. They're meeting in this room. They're leaning into God because what else did they have? They had this desperation. We have no idea what the future looks like. God, God, meet us here. I feel like that's almost where we're at in village. God, when? When next? What does that look like? How do we, how do we move there? We, we love your Great Commission. In fact, we, we want to give our lives to it. But how do we do that? What does it look like? Because we don't want to go from here and try and get it right. We want to go from here empowered by your Spirit so that disciples of you are made. So that that authority that you have, that you've imparted to the church, is used wisely. So that we teach people to obey the right thing. So that we see people's lives radically transformed. That's why a number of us met this morning. It was just this visionary, God, what do you want to do in our midst? If you want to be part of that process, come and speak to me. We'd love more and more people to be part of it. God, what are you doing with us? How are you leading us? And Spirit, we know we have not relied on you as much as we should. And we want to rely on you more. So teach us how to do that. And then... In this unprecedented show of generosity, God gifts them the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes like a rushing wind. We sung those songs. And, and began to, to look like a fire burning on everybody's head. you imagine that? Like it was a room larger than this. And people were starting to look around and go, Oh my gosh, you're on fire. You are too. What? No, I'm not. Here you are. Oh, what? God is... I am starting to be overcome by what God is doing and there would have been this moment of like "Ah, the Holy Spirit is here the Holy Spirit has been given to the church this is what it means for God's life to live in us this is what Jesus meant when he said I give you my Holy Spirit I breathe on you this is what it meant and so then they started to speak these languages that were unintelligible to them but not to everybody else that was from all the other nations as they started coming out of this room going, they were compelled for, to leave their gathering, to go out into the, to the world, and they bumped into people. They're still full of it. It was like they, they almost didn't have control. They allowed themselves to let go to it. And people went, you're speaking my language. But you're just from Galilee. You're uneducated. This doesn't make sense. And they heard God speaking. And then, then Peter starts to preach the word. And they find a boldness that they've never known. Where they were cooped up in this room for fear and now they're unleashed with this boldness. And what they offer is so appealing to people. 
so needed. It's like they're so parched. And they hear these words from the, the apostles, from the people that are there. And, and it, ah, oh, that's what my soul has been longing for. And the world is literally changed forever. Literally changed forever. You see, when the Spirit of God comes, the Spirit changes us forever. It's this beautiful thing. And wants to keep on changing us. Not just this one-off, done, check. But this, I, I want to keep changing. God, God's Spirit shares with us gifts to do things in a supernaturally unique way that builds His church, that builds His kingdom. Right? So I have a friend who when she first came to faith, she heard about this gift of tongues and thought it was the weirdest thing ever. In fact, her words were, I never ever want to do that. That's too strange. She was adamant about it. And, um, and she would meet with a friend who discipled her every Thursday or whatever. And one particular day they were talking about the gift of tongues. It was like, no, not, not interested, not, not me. And the friend's like, you know, God might have other plans, but that's okay if that's what you want to be. Um, anyway, she came home. Um, and, and, and as I said, the spirit, let me, the speaking in tongues is this kind of, it's a spiritual prayer language, I think is the best way to understand it. It's a spiritual prayer language um, that enables you to pray more powerfully for people and for situations. And has a variety of uses in the church, right? But my friend's like, no way. One particular day, sees his friend, goes home, starts journaling, and is journaling away, and all of a sudden finds these words spilling out of her mouth that are not uh, intelligible to herself. Her first thought was like, oh no, we've got the gift of tongues. I'm not, I'm not speaking in that. And then she found that, that she could actually trust herself to it. And she kept on praying and praying and praying. God decided to extend the reach of his spirit in her life through this gift. That's what a spiritual gift is, right? God extends the reach, his reach, through our lives into particular areas because of his gifting. And the gift of tongues is one of those things, but definitely not the be-all and end-all. So I said to my friend, I was speaking to her this week, and I said, um, I said, all right, so you've got, you've got a bit of time to reflect on that. That was a number of years ago. How do you, how do you feel now? She says, I felt so empowered by God. Like God was using me. I use it now to pray for things and for people that I just don't know how to pray. This is one of the gifts that the Holy Spirit endows and offers and gives to the church. To advance the kingdom. To build the church. And the same Spirit that came upon the apostles and filled them with the Holy Spirit. Jesus built His church and then they lived out this great commission. And it was crazy. And it was demanding. And it was unforgettable. And an example of this is what we've been reading this week. Acts 5, 17 to 21 says this. I love this story. I listened to this story a bunch of times. I'm like, oh, imagine that happening. Imagine this happening, right? Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They were jealous over the fact that the apostles were preaching the word of God. And people were listening to them, right? That's why they were jealous. So... Um, so they arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. So they threw them in the lockup overnight. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. It's like Luke, as he's writing this, he's like, yeah, let's just say it how it was, rather than being dramatic about it. Like, 
during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Like, oh, imagine that happening, right? Like, oh, I'll go to jail. If that's, that's how it goes down. Go, and, then, and then brought them out and said, go stand in the temple courts and tell the people all about this new life. <coughs> so at daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they'd been told to do. And they began to teach the people. They lived in this tension between life and death. Quite seriously. All the apostles by one was executed. Martyred for their faith. They live in this tension of life and death. But they were saved from the anxiety of it all. This is so key to our lives. They were saved from the anxiety of it all. Because they found their security in the Holy Spirit. It wasn't in the circumstance or in the Sadducees or in the Sanhedrin or in anything that might happen to them. It was in the Holy Spirit that they said, I've just given my life to your leading and you know best. So I'm going to go with that. So the story continues. Verse 27. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. They pulled together for this occasion the entire Sanhedrin. So if you think about every spiritual big week that was of the Jewish order in Israel at that time, they were all summoned to a special meeting to deal with these nutcase Christians who were preaching to everyone and making just a, a, a mess of the whole thing. Says, they said this, they said, we gave you strict orders not to teach in his name, like they have the power to do that, right? Yet, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Which isn't what they were preaching about, right? So they're like feeling a bit of shame, a bit of guilt about that. And this is the best. Read word for word. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. And Peter dropped the microphone and departed from their presence. Just like, that's it. It's all we've got to say. We've just got to obey God and not you. Sorry, not sorry. I know that upsets you guys. I know you can't handle it. I know you don't like it. But bottom line, we don't care. Because we've just got to do what God tells us to do. It doesn't matter what happens to us. I think you can only do that I think you can only say those words if you're so deeply connected and embedded with the Holy Spirit. You only find the strength for those things to come out of your mouth rather than, sorry, we'll try not to make more mess. When your life without God becomes a memory and your life with the Holy Spirit becomes a current reality that changes everything else. It's like what the angel said to Peter. Angel says, go stand in the temple courts and tell the people all about this new life. So what does the new life look like? What do you think? How would you describe the new life that you receive in Christ? What have you got? Come on. <laughs> like you find your security from a new source. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. 
You're lighter, you're transformed through the presence of the Spirit, you're forgiven, no more shame, no more guilt, no more doubt. Well, God, you're completely transformed. Now, as Heath hinted at, do you ever feel like what we've just described is not always your current reality? If we're honest and not looking at each other, we go, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it sucks. I wish it were different, but yes, sometimes the things of this new life are not my current reality. Sometimes it feels like I'm living my old life or a life that I don't want to live. That is very, very normal. Very normal. In fact, 100% normal, because I know we'd all raise our hands and be like, yeah, actually, there are times when I don't want to live the actual life that I'm living. I want to live this new life that Jesus gives. Acts and the the epistles that talk about um, the letters to the church, they are filled with people like Peter, James, John, Paul, Barnabas, who got filled and filled and filled and filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if the guys that should have had this together, right, they were those guys. They were there at Pentecost. They had these powerful... Paul was knocked off a horse and made blind by God, transformed incredibly. They should have it down, right? They shouldn't need a top-up, would you say? They should like new life all the time, 100%. And yet they did. Time and time again, it was they were filled by the Spirit and they went and did. They were filled by the Spirit and they responded to... It was like they ran out of Holy Spirit. Now here's a thought for you. What if God designed it that way? What if God said, I want to fill you with my spirit and I expect it to be empty from you because you're giving me away. And you come back and I'm going to fill you again. And so instead of it being a, oh, I'm not a very good Christian and I should do better at this. Instead, of, It's actually an affirmation of I need to be filled because there's nothing left to give away. Because if God filled us and we didn't need refilling, who wouldn't we need? God. We wouldn't need to come back to God. In fact, we'd be so caught up in ourselves. It will break God's heart. But, but God says, no, no, no you're meant to be, it's meant to be used. Give, like, give the Holy Spirit away. Not it, sorry. Give, give the Holy Spirit away. And I'm going to give more. And I'm going to give more. And I'm going to keep filling you. And sometimes when God does fill us, like with my friend, He imparts gifts. Sometimes it might be the gift of tongues. But there's such a myriad of wonderful gifts that the Spirit gives and the Spirit gives it to us at particular times, for maybe a season or maybe for forever, to see you become part of this wonderful, crazy thing called the church. To see you contribute to it and make it better and more dynamic so that the world can meet Christ. So when Peter gets his preach on with the Sanhedrin, he's clearly not convinced that they got the message. So he's like, all right, just let me lay it down for you. And he gets his preach on. And he says this in verse 32. He says, we are witnesses to these things. And he's talking about the exaltation of God and the, the, uh, the, the triumph of what God did. We're witnesses to these things. And then he says, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Obedience has to be the most unsexy word in Australian culture, Right? No Australian in their right mind wants to obey anyone or anything. That is completely un-Australian, right? Um, we, we, we want our kids to obey us, 
But we don't really want to obey stuff, and I'll prove it. I'm not going to do a survey. I'm not going to get your hands up. Just do a hands up. Just do a mental check. Have you ever, while your motor vehicle's been running, touched your phone? Oh, that's not good, is it? Have you ever drifted just 1K over the speed limit? Oh, that's not good. It's because I... There's part of me that wants to live disobedient to this. I'm not going to be obedient to the law. Listen to this. This is some strange laws that exist in Australia. You'll love this. It is illegal to wear hot pink hot pants after midday on a Sunday. Some of you guilty? You don't have to own up to it, but right, that is a law. It's an offence to possess 50 kilograms of, you thought I was going to say cocaine, potatoes in Western Australia. All those potato farmers, poor, poor people. Taxi cabs in Queensland are required to carry a bale of hay in the trunk. So if you caught a, a taxi or an Uber recently and you put your bag in, you're like, just move the hay over. That's <laughs> just strange. It's by law. It's got to be there, right? Any taxi driver not having a bale of hay, very disobedient. It's illegal <laughs> to dress up as Batman and Robin. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> That's weird. Our licensed electric only licensed electricians may change a light globe. Oh, <laughs> now we're seeing who the sinners are, right? All right. It's illegal to roam the streets. This was my favourite. Then I'm going to end with the, the the one that we're just going to all love. All right. It is illegal to roam the streets wearing black clothes, felt shoes, and black shoe polish on your face, as these items are the tools of a cat burglar. So you need to stop it, Claire. You need to stop it. And here we go. You don't need to respond to this one at all. In the Gold Coast, it is illegal for women to wear a bikini whose material exceeds six square inches. That's a law, right? What what on earth? No wonder we like civilly disobedient if this is the, the kind of laws that we need to live under. Our culture not only dismisses... Um, obedience, but it laughs at it and ridicules it. But God shows us. God has a different take on us. He shows us that being being obedient to Him, it creates a means through which not only we can know Him, but we can be used by Him. Obedience, you see, is the pathway God leads us in to new life. Obedience is the pathway God leads us down to new life. We cannot know and have and live in that new life if it's not for obedience. And our lives through that can be radically changed and fulfilled. And our first act of obedience, it's what Peter said before, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden you go, hang on, that's not, I don't mind being obedient to that. That's actually a pretty good deal. That's what Jesus' words when he says, my burden is light, my yoke is easy. It's not meant to weigh on us obedience to God. It's meant to free us. It's meant to bring us alive. It's meant to show us a different reality that we can step into. So God gives His Spirit to those who obey. Those who are moving in the same direction as Him. Those who are aligning themselves with God's heart. Those who are laying their lives down that God might pick them up and use them. So what better moment than for us to ask that God might fill us? To step into that space. Space that millions of Christians before us have been in. They've said, Holy Spirit, fill me. I want, I want to trust in you. I want to, I want to dare myself to do this. I, I want to risk all the things that it might mean that you might 
embody me and change me and fill me up and replenish what has been taken away. And so what's going to happen in a moment? I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a song called Come to the Altar. And during that song, I want you to to speak with God, to worship, but I, I want to offer you the invitation after that song to come down the front and I'm going to pray that God would fill you with His Holy Spirit. What happens after that doesn't matter, right? But we want to pray for people today that you will be filled with the Holy Spirit in more than a generic fill us, but a way that says, I've got to get up and move. And I've got to leave behind all the things that are holding me in my seat. I'm going to take this bold step to say, God, I, I, I want it. And, and here's what's going to happen. If everybody gets up, we're going to help each other out. All right? But, but you can come up when you see a space or whatever. And we're just going to spend some time in this space. And, and I'm simply going to be praying, God, Spirit, may you come and, and Spirit, speak and, and, and bless and heal and whatever I felt led to. So it's not, I have no qualifications to lay hands on and pray that the Holy Spirit is. Just like none of us do, right? This is, this is just us being the body of Christ that we can minister to one another. So if in this time you feel a, a, a pull of like, I, I should actually go to that person and pray for them. Um, this isn't a, hey, how can I pray for you? This is just God meet this person. We're going to allow some space to listen and to be responsive in that. Um, And so I'm going to pray in a minute. We're going to sing a song to prepare ourselves. And then while the worship's going on, so if you're like, ah, I'm I'm feeling full of the Spirit. I don't feel I need to and I'm not feeling I need to go to anyone. Continue to worship. We're going to continue in this space. Um, We just want to see what God's going to do. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just pray you would come. We know you are here. We just want you to be closer and closer to us. We want you to fill us. We want you to transform us and to, to complete us in a way that nothing else or no one else can. Lord, I pray for the people right now that are listening to this recording later on that your spirit would be as palpable and present to them as it is to us today. whether we're here or in a car or at home or lying in bed or wherever it is that we might listen to this, Lord, you would meet us. So we just want to say, Lord, you are free in this space. We don't hold you to any expectation. We just sit here with anticipation that you would meet us and you would fill us. It doesn't need to look like anything foregone, Lord. Just, just fill us with your spirit. Set us free from that stuff we need free from. So heal us from that. There's things we need healing from. Transform our minds. Bring relational healing and reconciliation. Inspire us with boldness that we might share your word. Give us the gifts of your spirit, Lord. And hear our songs as we ready ourselves, as we stand and we sing to you, Lord.